Chapter Ten of Futility, or the Wreck of the Titan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss. Futility, or the Wreck of the Titan, by Morgan Robertson. Chapter Ten. On the first floor of the London Royal Exchange is a large apartment studded with desks, around and between which surges a hurrying, shouting crowd of brokers, clerks, and messengers. Fringing this apartment are doors and hallways leading to adjacent rooms and offices, and scattered through it are bulletin boards, on which are daily written in duplicate the marine casualties of the world. At one end is a raised platform, sacred to the presence of an important functionary. In the technical language of the city, the apartment is known as the room, and the functionary as the caller, whose business it is to call out in a mighty sing-song voice the names of members wanted at the door, and the bare particulars of bulletin news prior to its being chalked out for reading. It is the headquarters of Lloyd's, the immense association of underwriters, brokers, and shipping men, which, beginning with the customers at Edward Lloyd's Coffee House in the latter part of the seventeenth century, has, retaining his name for a title, developed into a corporation so well equipped, so splendidly organized and powerful, that kings and ministers of state appeal to it at times for foreign news. Not a master or mate sails under the British flag but whose record, even to forecastle flights, is tabulated at Lloyd's for the inspection of prospective employers. Not a ship is cast away on any inhabitable coast of the world during underwriters' business hours but what that mighty sing-song cry announces the event at Lloyd's within thirty minutes. One of the adjoining rooms is known as the chart-room. Here can be found, in perfect order and sequence, each on its roller, the newest charts of all nations, with a library of nautical literature describing to the last detail the harbors, lights, rocks, shoals, and sailing directions of every coastline shown on the charts, the tracks of latest storms, the changes of ocean currents, and the whereabouts of derelicts and icebergs. A member at Lloyd's acquires in time a theoretical knowledge of the sea seldom exceeded by the men who navigate it. Another apartment, the captain's room, is given over to joy and refreshment, and still another the antithesis of the last is the intelligence office, where anxious ones inquire for and are told the latest news of this or that overdue ship. On the day when the assembled throng of underwriters and brokers had been thrown into an uproarious panic by the crier's announcement that the great Titan was destroyed, and the papers of Europe and America were issuing extras giving the meager details of the arrival at New York of one boatload of her people. 
this office had been crowded with weeping women and worrying men who would ask and remain to ask again for more news and when it came a later cablegram giving the story of the wreck and the names of the captain first officer boatswain seven sailors and one lady passenger as those of the saved a feeble old gentleman had raised his voice in a quavering scream high above the sobbing of women and said my daughter-in-law is safe but where is my son where is my son and my grandchild then he hurried away but was back again the next day and the next and when on the tenth day of waiting and watching he learned of another boatload of sailors and children arrived at gibraltar he shook his head slowly muttering george george and left the room that night after telegraphing the consul at gibraltar of his coming he crossed the channel in the first tumultuous riot of inquiry when underwriters had climbed over desks and each other to hear again of the wreck of the titan one the noisiest of all a corpulent hook-nosed man with flashing black eyes had broken away from the crowd and made his way to the captain's room where after a draught of brandy he had seated himself heavily with a groan that came from his soul father abraham he muttered this will ruin me others came in some to drink some to condole all to talk hard hit meyer asked one ten thousand he answered gloomily serve you right said another unkindly have more baskets for your eggs knew you'd bring up though meyer's eyes sparkled at this he said nothing but drank himself stupid and was assisted home by one of his clerks from this on neglecting his business excepting to occasionally visit the bulletins he spent his time in the captain's room drinking heavily and bemoaning his luck on the tenth day he read with watery eyes posted on the bulletin below the news of the arrival at gibraltar of the second boatload of people the following life boy of royal age london picked up among wreckage in latitude forty five twenty north longitude fifty four thirty one west ship arctic boston captain brant oh my good god he howled as he rushed toward the captain's room poor devil poor damned fool of an israelite said one observer to another he covered the whole of the royal age and the biggest chunk of the titan it'll take his wife's diamonds to settle three weeks later mr meyer was aroused from a brooding lethargy by a crowd of shouting underwriters who rushed into the captain's room seized him by the shoulders and hurried him out and up to a bulletin read it meyer read it what do you think of it with some difficulty he read aloud while they watched his face john roland sailor of the titan with child passenger name unknown on board peerless bath at christiansand norway both dangerously ill roland speaks of ship cut in half 
night before loss of Titan. "'What do you make of it? My royal age, isn't it?' "'Yes,' vociferated another. "'I've figured back. Only ship not reported lately. Overdue two months. Was spoken same day fifty miles east of that iceberg.' "'Sure thing,' said others. "'Nothing said about it in the captain's statement. Looks queer.' "'Vell, vot of it?' said Mr. Meyer, painfully and stupidly. "'There is a collision clause in der Titan's policy. I merely pay the money to der steamship company instead of der royal age people.' "'But why did the captain conceal it?' they shouted at him. "'What's his object? Assured against collision suits?' "'Der looks of it, perhaps, looks bad.' "'Nonsense, Meyer, what's the matter with you?' Which one of the lost tribes did you spring from? You're like none of your race, drinking yourself stupid like a good Christian. I've got a thousand on the Titan, and if I'm to pay it, I want to know why. You've got the heaviest risk, and the brain to fight for it. You've got to do it. Go home, straighten up, and attend to this. We'll watch Roland till you take hold. We're all caught. They put him in a cab, took him to a Turkish bath, and then home. The next morning he was at his desk, clear-eyed and clear-headed, and for a few weeks was a busy, scheming man of business. End of chapter 10 Recording by Tom Weiss